Within a few hours of the phone call, the one that confirmed Betty's diagnosis, I had accessed every bit of information Google could supply about her condition. There wasn't much. The medical jargon all started to sound the same and quickly faded into the background. What I needed were people, real moms and dads who had done this or were doing this, who could show me that I could do it too. And there could be joy along the way. But how would I find them? Enter Facebook. I know, I know, Facebook, the time-sucking social media that really doesn't serve much of a purpose. I had been on Facebook for nearly a decade, but I was completely unaware of this subculture of groups of people dealing with specific issues who could find each other and support one another. Suddenly, Facebook wasn't just another social media platform. It was a lifeline. I found a page for Pataki Schaefer Syndrome families, and though there wasn't much activity and there weren't many members, there was a recent post by another mom whose son had recently been diagnosed. She had posted a photo of him, and he looked exactly like Betty. I immediately wrote her a message and received a quick response. Hi, Sarah. Goodness, how are you doing? Have you had a long road to receiving the diagnosis or a short one? I would love to hear your story. And then I wrote her back. Hi, Annie. Your little boy Pip is adorable. I love his cheeks. When I saw his photos, I could not believe how much he looks like my little girl Betty. They could be twins. We shared our stories, our struggles, milestones, hard days, toy recommendations, and triumphs. And what began only 24 hours after receiving news of my daughter's diagnosis was a sweet friendship that has sustained me through lots of ups and downs. Thanks for the info and encouragement. We had our first outpatient PT session yesterday, and it was pretty rough. I have been happy to think that I could just hold on to the baby days longer than normal, but I'm discovering that if we are to make any real progress, it will require a lot of pushing from me. Oh, Sarah, it is so much hard work and no one who doesn't go through it understands it. The good news is Pip started out just the same as Betty. He would fuss and be tired and cranky during our early therapy sessions. But after a few months, he really built up his stamina and endurance. Since then, Annie and I have written to each other regularly. Her son Pip is only six months older than Betty, so I always feel like we can kind of relate to each other. And I can look to Pip to see what Betty might be doing next. Pip is a rock star and we just love him. We think he's the cutest little boy. And you'll have to check the website to see pictures of Betty and Pip side by side. Despite exchanging countless emails and messages, today you're going to hear the first real conversation between Annie and I. Our children's conditions have a way of bringing us into the lives of families we would never meet otherwise. So today, you'll hear Pip's story, and Annie and I will also chat about some of the special relationships that have developed due to her son's condition. So stay with us. In January of 2013, my baby girl Betty was born. Later, we discovered she had a chromosomal deletion that would affect the rest of her life. I created this podcast to share the stories and struggles of special needs children and their families. This is episode three of Bringing Up Betty. I'm Sarah Evans. 
When Annie and Jonathan got married, they both worked a lot, traveled a lot, enjoyed caring for their cat, and figured that in a few years, they might settle down and have a few kids. But when they discovered they might not be able to have children, they thought their fleet-footed days would just continue. More work, more travel, more adventures. We uh, were told that we wouldn't be able to fall pregnant naturally, so um, my husband and I decided to throw caution to the wind and move to Los Angeles for a couple of years and travel and live a sort of different life to the one that we expected when we got married. They moved halfway across the world, bought a two-seater convertible car, and found a tiny apartment to rent. And then, of course, as soon as we got here a month later, I was pregnant and (laughs) we were completely surprised, but it was an amazing, amazing surprise. They had come to L.A. partly for an art exhibition that Jonathan would be featured in, so... Timing-wise, we just thought, we'll stay in L.A. and we'll be fine. We were totally shocked, even just to have a newborn baby without friends and family. But Annie's pregnancy would prove to be just the first of many surprises. I guess the other thing was Pip came five weeks early, so my mom was booked on a flight to Carmel on his due date or the week before and all of a sudden I was in labor and then all of a sudden the baby was coming and we were completely alone we didn't even we were in hospital but we didn't really think that that was the day that uh, our baby was going to be born and you know he surprised us all and my mum got on the very next flight but still takes a day to arrive from Australia so we were at home the next day, and we were just sort of besides ourselves. We didn't know what to do in any way. We missed the last raising a baby class at the hospital, so we didn't know how to bathe him. We didn't know anything. And, yeah, we were thrown deeply into the deep end just with a newborn, let alone with the the issues that are, arose within the next three months. Mm-hmm. So um, what were those issues and How did you know something was wrong? Well, actually, we didn't realize there was any problems. We just thought that we had a baby that had really bad colic or something. He was crying all the time. I was basically breastfeeding him 20 hours of the day, and the other four hours he was just exhausted and he would sleep. Pip had a really hard time eating at first, but it wasn't really apparent. They didn't really link his screaming and crying to being hungry because... He was eating so much, and they were putting forth every effort to get him fed. When breastfeeding seemed like it wasn't working out, Annie started pumping, then syringe feeding, you know, the whole ordeal. Her lactation consultant and pediatrician were so pro-breastfeeding that bottles were off the table. So for three months, we had a child that was crying all the time and not putting on any weight. Even with that, the pediatrician wasn't concerned and chalked it up to Pip being a small kid. They continued to troubleshoot feeding issues and Annie cut out dairy and wheat and sugar, anything to try and see if Pip might be allergic or what was going on. Finally, they got to a breaking point. And finally, there was a red flag big enough that their doctor started paying attention. And then at his four-month checkup, He'd actually lost weight for the first time, not just hadn't gained, but he'd gone down. The weight loss, together with his head circumference that was measuring a little big, 
and his eyes that were moving uncontrollably side to side earned Pip a trip to the emergency room. He wanted us to see the certain neurologist and that was the quickest way that we could get in. And he also said, go and buy bottles and buy formula and give him as much as he will take. He said he'll probably only take like six ounces. Well, he took 12 immediately and wanted to keep going. He just drank and drank and drank and he fell asleep. And, and it was sort of the first time that he'd ever fallen asleep peacefully in our arms, even though we were in a busy emergency room. He slept through his CT scan, which showed that he didn't have a brain tumour, which was actually what the doctors thought could have been a possibility. And even though we were terrified and in complete shock, we were also relieved because Pip had fallen asleep and we were just <laughs> hadn't had a quiet moment in the last four months. By that time, it was nearly 1 a.m. So they went home and scheduled a follow-up for the following week. They were nervous, but also so happy to have a content baby. They met with the neurologist the following week, ran a bunch of tests, and waited for the results. When we got the phone call from the neurologist for us to go in there, for us to go in there that day, we were pretty frightened that something was quite serious. So we got in there. It was really late. It was 6 p.m. Everyone in the clinic had gone home, and the neurologist sat us down and basically said, well, the good news is he's not dying. And we just looked at each other and were like, what? He could be dying? We hadn't even thought that he could be dying. What do you mean? And um, so the genetics counsellor came in and handed us a printout from the genetics home reference website explaining what pataki Shaffa syndrome was and said to us, so now you know as much as we know. He said, you know, he could be not walking or talking and he could be completely normal and by the size of his deletion, we would say he'll be somewhere in the middle. Honestly, that was it. And we then had to, you know, leave. We were in complete shock. We didn't know if to, to be horrendously upset or really happy. We just, we didn't know what it meant at all. We were in a mystery um and on the way home from the hospital that night we called our friends and family in Australia and we told them exactly what we were told and that was that was it a lot of the friends took oh he's going to be completely normal and there's no problems to be the story and other people like my mum <laughs> you know thought it was the worst thing that could have ever possibly happened to anybody and from there I don't know we just had to concentrate on feeding our baby and getting him healthy and and work out what our future held. I think parents generally like to ponder on the future. It's full of possibilities. But I think it's something that special needs parents generally don't like to think about. Plus, it can be really tough as a parent to balance your expectations for your child. You don't want to limit them by having low expectations, but you also don't want to be constantly let down by setting your expectations too high. It is hard and I feel like culturally it's a little different um, in America to Australia. Like culturally, I remember being in my mother's group where I was in a group of moms with babies the same age um, as Pip 
but obviously Pip was the only one with special needs and an uncertain future because we'd go around the circle and there was one question that was asked, which was, what do you want for your child? And pretty much they all said for him or her to be president. Even if Pip didn't have any problems, I'd be so happy with him being a tradesman or, you know, a contract, like anything. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, president? Are all these kids the same age going to be president at the same time? That's not going to work. It's like the worst job in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so culturally, I think Australians, they wouldn't voice their high hopes for their children college isn't such a huge thing as it is here like not everybody has to go to college and therefore parents don't start college funds when they're you know children are toddlers or whatever um yeah I don't know I've been looking at some preschool options for Pip as well and some of the preschools that are in LA are just so absolutely beautiful but they cost the same as a college education and like, how do I start this at three when, you know, he's not going to be president? Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I, we definitely struggle with not uh, having low, too lower expectations. And, um, you know, I've met a few other parents with special needs kids who say to me, don't ever doubt his abilities and... I honestly find that hard. I do doubt his abilities, but I'm trying to be realistic. And I do want to be pleasantly surprised. And more often than not, especially as his development is moving along as he gets older, I am completely pleasantly surprised. And I feel guilty and I need to try and change my attitude. It can be a really hard thing to balance. But for those times that you're not feeling too balanced, you can always count on a friend to keep you in check. Sometimes we have a pretty similar outlook and then sometimes we're just like shocked at each other. <laughs> Annie is talking about her good friend Sharon. You'll hear from her in a later episode of Bringing Up Betty. Sharon is one of those friends that Annie probably wouldn't have known if it hadn't been for Pip and his rare condition. When we first met, which was two years ago, we thought we were in the, a really similar situation. And now as both children are like three or a little older, we're like, wow, we are special needs mums, but we have such different children and we're experiencing two really different sides of the, of the story. She's probably my best friend in Los Angeles and, you know, up until two years ago, I, I just don't think that we ever would have crossed each other's paths in any way. But we happened to have a mutual friend who I knew through her ex-boyfriend in Australia and Sharon knew through her kids being at one of the same preschools. And this girl took a long time to sort of be like, oh, hang on, you two should meet because you're dealing with some of the really same same issues with your two little babies with Pip and Liv. So we did like a blind play date one day, which I was so nervous. I'd not 
really great at making new friends and, you know, we're in a totally new city and whatever. She came over with Liv and there was a few little things that were like, oh, I don't know if we're going to really hit it off. And then the next time I saw her, we just invited her and her husband over for an adults-only dinner and that's when we really bonded over a glass of wine and basically just immense cynicism and sarcasm and laughing our heads off and that's when we were like oh wow it's so liberating to have somebody else to talk to and be able to be really honest with what we're going through our feelings what we're going through and not be met with looks of horror but to you know to laugh together so that's been incredible and we've just tried to form a stronger and stronger bond over the last two years and I mean now we are diverging a little because her little girl um, has mainly physical issues her mind is brilliant she's really really clever and she's just sort of sadly trapped in a body that just doesn't quite work properly and then Pip is getting stronger and stronger every day and he's becoming a bit of a brute he's huge compared to this gorgeous little girl who's tiny and sweet he's big and he's broody and he's loud and um, you know he's intellectually has a disability so he's intellectually delayed so it's really different their needs are very different even though for the last three years their needs have both been physical therapy now their needs are changing and um I think it, sometimes you can be a little bit like my problem's bigger than your problem we can be a little bit like that with each other but you know at the end of the day we know that everybody I know that everyone's biggest problem that they have is their biggest problem so you can't really compare problems but I guess it's just interesting to see how 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 things change even though Pip and Liv have pretty different situations now. Their moms have been able to be resources to each other. They've shared therapists. And even when they get together sometimes, they make sure that their kids are working on their exercises. We often go to their house to go swimming in their pool, which they've got a pretty great setup to do some physical therapy in the pool. So, you know, Sharon and I are always like, okay, come on, side steps now and <laughs> down on the stairs. And <laughs> yeah. Oh. And they're both basically rolling their eyes at us. <laughs> Aside from having local friends to lean on, we sure are lucky to live in the modern age that we do. Most of us have found a ton of support on the internet. Here's Annie's story. Well, In the quest to find, in the early days of um, dealing with our new diagnosis, I was desperate to find a support group in real life of special needs mums. I'd been in a mother's group with typical mums and children and I found that really, really hard, but I forced myself to go every week to try and act a little normal and I just thought if there was, if I could just find other parents going through something like this, that would be so good. And I tried. We had therapists looking for me, hospitals. I sort of tried every avenue I could find and nothing existed in my area. Um, 
And then one day, I don't know why, I just searched in Facebook for Pataki Shaffer syndrome. I didn't even know this existed in Facebook, that there was groups of people for different subjects. I had no idea. So I was so amazed to find um, a mother had created a public page for this syndrome that Pip had and she posted gorgeous photos and stories of herself and her 10-year-old son and um, I just was so relieved and so happy to have found somebody else. So I immediately contacted her. She immediately responded with a huge email um, telling me all of her story. It was very warm and loving and I was just, it was sort of the first time that I actually felt so much hope in seeing this mum and her son and their family and how the syndrome had affected him but he was just still such a gorgeous boy and I just was we were all so happy and relieved. I sent it to everybody I knew and was like, look, this little boy has the same syndrome as Pip and this is how great, you know, Pip might be just as great as this boy. And anyway, from there, I kept in touch with her and kept checking on that page and suddenly we had a few other people contact us. You know, then those people told me about other groups online, like the Hypotonia group, and um, I joined that group and from there just found all these amazing tips and support and just knowing that other people were going through the same things as us was was amazing. And uh, in the Pataki Shaffer Syndrome group, we eventually built a private page, which you became a member of, and we found more and more people. And I still can't even, I just am so surprised every time we have somebody ask to join the group that They've typed into Facebook, Pataki Shaffer syndrome. Like, how did you find it? Did you just type it into Facebook? Did you know that there were groups? Um, I can't. I can't really remember. I think it was kind of my first um, awareness of the groups on Facebook. At least, I mean, I think I knew there were groups, but I didn't think of them in the context of like a, an illness or a yeah. syndrome or something like that. And yeah. I may have just googled it, and it came up. Right. And yeah. and you had posted the picture of Pip like when he was pretty small. Yeah. And um he's wearing like a black outfit and a little hat and <laughs> I was like that's Betty. Like it just looks just like her. And so yeah. I was like this is this is the place, you know. This is yeah. where we're supposed to be. And and then after we started the private page, I felt like I could you know, share a little more freely. Yeah. So all of my Facebook friends wouldn't be updated with every <laughs> little medical concern that we had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just been so good. We, I guess in that group, there is a, about 20 or now there's almost 40 members of the group. I think there's about 30 families who have Pataki Shaffer syndrome or 30 children. And it's a lot in America, but there's a lot around the world as well but I find it so funny that there's no two people I think maybe now there's two people in Minneapolis or something but there's not really two people in the same state so we haven't been lucky enough to all get together in person yet but we traveled this year to Washington DC and one of the families who I'd made quite good friends with online um, lives in Virginia and they came up and they spent two days with us and it was 
so incredible to have our two children in in the same place. They were so very different but so very similar and um, just bonding with his parents in person was amazing. It was It was sort of like being with family or old friends. It was really, really lovely. So I hope that, you know, more of us can get together. Yeah, me too. So we've got this great little group on Facebook. We can ask questions. And actually, we've uncovered several traits of the syndrome that doctors didn't even know about. Annie put all of that together and created an awesome website, patakishaferssyndrome.org. And I think that using your skills in whatever, you know, the skill that I have is in graphic design and my husband was a, um, he built websites for years. So we were like, we need to use our skills for whatever good we can in this situation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we didn't have time. I did it over months and months and months and months, spending 30 minutes here and 30 minutes there and took a long time. I had been thinking about it for years to create a website dedicated to Pataki Shaffer Syndrome. And my main motivation for it was so that when new families that were being diagnosed, um, which as the genetic testing gets more and more advanced, it seems like more and more children are going to be diagnosed with this particular syndrome, I didn't want them to have the experience that we had when Googling Pataki-Sheffer syndrome and basically finding one or two articles relating to the one medical study that's happened with kind of images attached that weren't really the view of Pataki-Sheffer syndrome that I had gotten from our Facebook group. It seemed really, really different, those Google results. They just seemed different to what our group was. So I wanted something that was public to represent, I guess, the positive stories that come out of our Facebook group. I kind of hope that somebody might be like, oh, this is so interesting. I'm going to do another medical study on it. If anyone happens to know a doctor who's looking for a medical study to do, we sure wouldn't mind another on Pataki Schaefer syndrome. Please send them our way. There's a few more steps that we need to take. Like I want to start a foundation and raise money to fund our own study, which is something that I've been inspired by other special needs families that I've met in Los Angeles that have done that. Um, So, yeah, you know, we can do that. And the website's really just a starting point for that and mainly a starting point for, yeah, new families who are being diagnosed to see that it's not hopeless and it's not all gloomy, even though, of course, it's a little gloomy in the beginning when you first get diagnosed but you know we've got beautiful children who have a lot to offer and they're funny and I want that I want that to come out (laughs) yes for sure (laughs) if you have a child that has a rare syndrome I sure hope that someone else has the same diagnosis and has a mom like Annie she is so proactive and really making things happen that will benefit all of our children and all of the kids in the future that may have the same diagnosis Of course, one of my favorite questions for parents of kids with special needs is how this experience has changed them. Well, I just, you know, my life before was quite different. I was, I worked in fashion as a fashion designer and, you know, I cared a lot about fashion and all of that stuff. I mean, part of me did 
want to stop doing that work anyway just because of the general hideousness that can come with that industry. So, I mean, I'd already made that change but, yeah, having PIP, which was just, of course, not in my wildest expectations did I think that I was going to have a child with extra needs. Um, It just opened my mind completely to be empathetic to everyone under the sun and to be a lot kinder to people, to not be so judgmental, to um, just kind of understand that what everybody feels they're going through at that moment in their lives is their biggest crisis and that that should be respected. And, yeah, I guess I've always thought that I was an empathetic person, but I feel like now I just, and I think part of that is even just becoming a mother, you know, just feel so much for everybody in the world and their struggles. I mean, and it changes my attitude towards that changes constantly. Like I used to get really bothered by people, friends or family that would say, oh, yeah, you know, my kid's not potty training and or, or they keep making, you know, whatever issue they were going through. And we were like, well, you're really lucky that that's your biggest problem because Pip might not ever potty train and we have no idea, you know, you don't know what it's like. And I've come to the realisation and I've readjusted my view that, yeah, that is – that. It does sound terrible for you and you don't know what I'm going through. So, and I'm, I, yeah, I want to be sympathetic and there for you because that's what I want in return. Before we go, I wanted to share a quick clip from the conversation that Annie and I had. Um, she's talking about Pip and I just want you guys to see this cute little kid's personality. Um, I think we're talking about walking. He started walking in the last few months, but he's not uh, super motivated to walk. So here you go. We've just done all the assessments to transition into having an IEP from early intervention. And um, like the physical therapist that did his assessment was like, oh, but as soon as he gets into the school and sees all the other kids running around, he'll be off. And I'm just like, no, that's not Pip. He is at preschool with kids running around. Uh-huh. He could care less. He thinks they're suckers. Like, <laughs> you can carry me. <laughs> Give me another cuddle. Annie Zawada is an artist and mum living in Los Angeles with her husband and son Pip. You can find her on the web at patakishafersyndrome.org. Today's episode was recorded and produced by me, Sarah Evans. If you enjoyed the show, the best way to support it is by telling a friend about it and by subscribing in iTunes, even if you don't listen in iTunes. Ratings and reviews are also greatly appreciated. I'm still looking for parents to share their unique experiences in parenting children with special needs. So if you'd like to participate on the show, please send me an email at bringingupbetty at gmail.com. For notes on today's show and to see photos of Darling Pip, 
visit our website, bringingupbetty.com. Thanks again so much for listening and have a great day.